You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network that has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that love to dive into other nerdy subjects that we all love to frolic about in our free time. Batman Book Club is also on Patreon, so if you like what's going on with the show, you want to help support the show, just go to patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Now, thank you for listening to episode 131. Uh, I have a special guest for this episode. So I think this episode, like, this could just be called the Ivan Cohen episode. There you go. That's a headliner right there. Uh, yeah, joining me. And, you know, I could give him a great intro, but he's going to tell us all about his his great resume here in just a moment. Uh, Mr. Ivan Cohen. Ivan, thank you for coming uh, onto the show. Wow, what a non-introduction. I mean, of <laughs> course, thank you for having me. Yes. It is a pleasure to be here. Um I am a writer of various and sundry things. Um mm-hmm. most relevant here is I am the co-writer of the Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries. Yes. Also, um the recent Batman Returns oh my god now i don't remember the full title oh one, one dark, dark christmas one eve. dark christmas eve yeah the holiday classic um which adapts <laughs> batman returns as a storybook sort of like the diehard christmas storybook that came out a few years ago yeah. with the same artist um i am also oh i i should have told you this before just to set this up i have the honor of being the writer of what i believe is the shortest lived um batman ongoing comic book ever which would be the comic book beware the batman where it ran it was an ongoing that ran for six issues which i'm not sure any batman ongoing has ever achieved before so (laughs) i i wrote the first issue of that and one or two others i'm i'm very proud well good uh you should be and that was why because i think beware the batman uh very underrated show uh i think it's a great show i have not gotten to read the comic because um I have not gotten around to it. I want to just like I haven't read all of the comics based off of the Batman uh, TV series, you know, the Batman strikes and stuff. And I've had Mm -hmm. Matthew Manning on here before and he's written for, uh, I believe, both those series. I think he did an episode of or an issue of Beware the Batman. So um, but yeah, I didn't see. And that was the thing. I didn't want to just limit and say he's he writes Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries and Batman Returns after you and I have been talking and you've said like you've got more involvement in D.C. than just that. So I didn't want to just say this is all that he's done. I contain multiple quite a bit. <laughs> that's, the, that's the expression you're looking for. For sure. I also did write an episode of Beware the Batman, which yeah. ran sort of when they burned off all the episodes at the end. It was the episode that very, very loosely um the Archie Goodwin, Walt Simonson, Manhunter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. concept in an episode yeah. of Batman called Unique Beware the Batman called Unique. And that was very exciting. I would have I'm sorry that show didn't last longer, but I'm glad I, I was know. able to do that because it was pretty fun. Yeah, I think like people are starting to catch more people are starting to uh, give that show a shot now and finding it and trying it and and understanding what I and uh, others, other friends have on the show, you know, discovered at the time that it was airing. I'm like, this is a good show. They're botching it when it's playing. This is a good show. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a good show. I think they would just there's always the problem with cartoons based on established superhero projects mm-hmm. that they they're sort of premised on the idea that we're going to sell a lot of toys and the, yeah i think everybody already had their batman toys i'm not sure there was a new audience for sure yeah the slightly weird style of batman to like mm-hmm. you know flood into the toy stores which didn't exist anymore anyway but that's just between us <laughs> yes Don't, just between yeah. us i won't tell anybody <laughs> yeah this, uh, is a, this is a safe space right this is private definitely this is yeah, this is a safe space. And um, I always have to ask somebody when it's their first time on the show, because this is the Batman book club of what is mm-hmm. your favorite Batman story? Oh, and I was prepared for this and I don't have a good answer. Um, 
it it depends on the day i mean okay. for you know i'm certainly a batman year one guy i'm certainly sure. a batman year one fan i recently had occasion to read um for reasons that are too convoluted to explain i have a very random box of comics that i have promised my wife i'll get rid of that just sort of <laughs> showed up in our house at some point uh-huh. and it's this real hodgepodge of like you know weird old dc comics from the from the 50s and 60s and and some of the stuff that i already have like in boxes in storage somewhere so i haven't looked at them in a while so i'm rereading comics from my childhood but one from not my childhood um the second issue of the dark knight returns which is called the dark knight triumphant which is the one that ends with batman you know defeating the leader of the mutant gang Mm -hmm. and and that comic maybe that comic is close to perfect like i was rereading that and i was just like this especially when it's something that's part of a four issue miniseries those issues don't typically stand perfectly on their own i mean they're not designed to right like they're part of it they're yeah. part of a continuing story but that issue is just amazing that issue just has everything you want mm-hmm. yeah to me the challenge with picking out i mean anybody can you know obviously favorite is favorite but batman especially is so built on so many decades of history and accumulation like you know is most of your you know if your favorite batman comic is something published in the last 30 years it surely it almost surely depends on some knowledge you have of batman comics from before that so it's you know it's all part of an extended even if it's not a continuity that you worry about it's like you already know these characters the reason Mm -hmm. that you know the dark knight returns i'm not sure works for anybody if they haven't read a batman comic or seen a batman tv show or had some cultural awareness of batman before yeah like it's not an introduction to the character but the thing about a character that's been around for more than 80 years is I, I feel like you get introduced to the character in the womb. Like, you know who the character is before you've before you can point to a thing and be like, that was the first Batman story I ever heard. It's like, man, you already knew you saw that, a toy in a store. You you saw a costume on Halloween. I, I love that point that you just made, because that is. 100% accurate for me. And I've even asked my parents quite a few times of, do you remember like the moment, something I saw, something you got me, anything. And that's what started it. And they were just like, no, nothing, nothing springs to mind. And I'm like, cause I don't remember not being obsessed with Batman. I don't remember right. what I saw the first time. And that's what changed it. It's as far as I knew, like I was born saying, I shall love the bat, you know, <laughs> those are my first <laughs> words. <laughs> I shall love the bat, but I, I do troubling I, in its own way. But yeah, sure. <laughs> I do like that. Also, you get even more specific of and of course, there's no wrong answer ever. But, you know, anybody who's maybe said Dark Knight Returns, they say the Dark Knight Returns. And I love that you say you know, book two of the Dark Knight Returns. And that I mean, even yeah, that one on its own. I think that that can be. It almost can feel a little like a story that stands on its own. And it's a perfect one of Batman's confidence goes up against somebody he thinks he can take down and gets defeated and then basically like repairs out like does his research and then he becomes triumphant you know and i think i think that chapter alone was uh to me uh you know good um left an impression on you know christopher nolan and company for dark knight rises of that bane you know fight and stuff a little bit that's like i see very a lot of similarities there too of maybe a little overconfident and um yeah, and that is, and, and of course, obviously with that issue ending the way it does of Batman's Victorious, it's like, that's that's how it needs to be. Right. <laughs> but it had some good drama in there, too. So uh, love that pick. Thanks, man. Great pick. Yes. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's one of those books. I mean, people of a certain age, um, you know, that year, that 1986 is sort of the year that, like, many of us could have drifted away from comics and a bunch of books from DC, Dark Knight Returns, significantly among them sort of kept us in. Wonder, like, wonderful like moment, year. you know watch you know i mean i'm not you know it's it's sort of like what um 1982 is that the year for movies where it's like you know it's like here's your you know here's your empire strikes back here's your you know, like you know like mm-hmm. there's sort of mm-hmm. the you know adolescent nerd culture moment for comics though it's like you know oh you were ready to leave here's watchmen yeah you don't get to leave you're stuck (laughs) now you're trapped (laughs) exactly by the way it's going to take like two years for it to come out 
you know, I know he said it's 12 issues, but we're just kidding. It's going to take you longer than that. And <laughs> you're going to keep coming back. There's no place else to get it. Oh, there's going to be paperbacks eventually, but you don't know. Nobody's telling you that yet. Is it? I don't, I don't exactly have just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Yeah. <laughs> it's always. Godfather 3. Yes. It's, it's always, it's always true. Uh, but <laughs> Uh, great picks and specifically now though i did want to i when i talked to you and i asked if if you'd be interested if you'd like to talk um is for you know to talk about bat books that you're involved in that are pretty you know one ongoing and one that just kind of came out and we just kind of mentioned both of them mm-hmm. in the batman scooby-doo mysteries and then the batman returns one dark christmas eve um first i want to talk about batman scooby-doo mysteries so this was and i didn't i missed it I didn't even know until like a week before issue one of this, like what would you call it? Series two, maybe? Sure. Yeah. A, a week before that issue came out, I'm, I had no idea that they were, that they were launching another 12 issue series of this. It's like, Oh, I thought that it was 12, that first series. And then it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's rewind back a little bit to that first series. And if you can kind of share how it even, because I just feel like Batman and Scooby-Doo is such a great pairing. There are two characters that I love. I loved Scooby-Doo since I was a kid as well. And the mystery right. angle and the, like Batman's so malleable that like he just kind of fits with Scooby and the mystery ink. So um, this obviously wasn't the first time they've ever paired together. But can you take us back to how the idea for the series came about and how you got involved? Um, yeah, I the part that I I can tell you the parts I know. And then there are parts mm-hmm. that I guess, which are, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to identify which is which. Um the you know the first step in this i think was um the good lord my brain my brain is a little sleepy today um <laughs> there was um scooby-doo team up the mm-hmm. um the book that shally fish wrote for dc that i think started as like a six issue mini series and ended up running 50 issues <laughs> as an ongoing just when so he thought he you the, were out, they pulled back has, in. <laughs> he has the opposite. He had the opposite experience from mine with the Beware of the Batman. They just kept oh. on going. They kept on adding issues. But I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not jealous, and I don't resent it. No, I don't no. take it personally. Charlie's <laughs> Charlie's no, very very good. He really is. Um, I have learned so much from that guy. Um, so that book had been very successful, and you know when they stopped publishing it, the I think there was still a thought of like, there's more mileage here. There's more stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And DC, I think, I think, I think recognizes that there's not really, there weren't a lot of kid friendly Batman comics going on. There's a kid friendly Scooby-Doo comic that comes mm-hmm. out bi-monthly. And I've written a few issues of that as has Shally Fish. And I think they wanted to do something that picked up on that team up vibe, but also was maybe more consistently the character, you know, Batman, as opposed to just being anyone from the grab bag of DC characters, because Batman sells better than everybody else. Like that, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not news to anyone. So they invented this idea of doing a Batman Scooby-Doo ongoing series that was going to be part of their digital first initiative where it would come out basically every week, every two weeks, there'd be like 10 pages and then they would reprint them at a later date. And that was how I got involved was when it was going to be on that kind of timetable where it was going to be mm-hmm. essentially two issues, the equivalent of two comic book issues a month. That was seen as something I suspect Sholly could have done it on his own or I could have done it on my own for a little while and then the wheels would have flown off the cart. So they thought it made sense to have alternating issues by two people. And they approached Sholly and myself and you know, we were off to the races and Shali and I knew each other a little bit. Um, we have a good mutual admiration society. We got our start with the same Batman collections and comics from our child, our shared childhood. So we often compete for who can get the most obscure thing from the hardcover Batman from the thirties to the seventies into a Scooby-Doo context. Mm-hmm. But I think we've used up everything now. The, um, <laughs> I mean, we haven't put there's an issue with a Nazi hunter that I don't think we've managed to put into Scooby Doo, and I suspect we won't. But otherwise, it's pretty solidly good, covered. Good luck. Yeah, you well, know, if you, you know, get there with that one, <laughs> we sneak things in, but yeah. I'm not saying. Um, so 
then what ended up happening due to various changes in sales perspective and corporate ownership, they got rid of the digital first premise early on in the run, but we continued to alternate issues. And that went on and the 12 issues were very successful and people seemed to like it creatively. I don't, you know, DC was publishing a ton of Batman comics at that point and still are. And mm-hmm. there were the occasional reviews that were like, this is the best bet. You know, DC publishes 50 Batman comics a month, but this is the best one. And, you know, I think some of that is, people appreciate a different flavor. Like the yeah. DC publishes 50 Batman comics a month. And here's the only one that's not continuity based and not mm-hmm. for adults and doesn't have the Joker peeling off someone's face or whatever. And there's a, there's an appeal to that. Yeah, definitely. And, and then that's where we were. And it was always planned to be 12 issues. And I think from a sales perspective, it is better to restart with a new number one, yeah, and to have issue thirteen, and it just took them longer than anyone hoped to get the final green light. And I think again, that was a sort of we're not greenlighting anything new right now. We're waiting for the new bosses to come in, and that process sure. drags on. But then once it happened, we're super happy to be back. And I suspect part of the reason it wasn't announced earlier was that they, you know, they were waiting for certain things to line up, and then by the mm-hmm. time they did, it was like, oh, let's just get the comic out. Mm-hmm. And and there's you know my first issue of the of volume two, um comes out the day we're recording it. The day we're recording, yeah. Batman, Batman, Scooby, volume two, series two, number two, which I think is a lot of fun. I'm I was very happy with that issue. I I enjoyed it very much. Yes. And the first issue of the first series was maybe my favorite of the things I've done with Batman and Scooby together because it's goofy time yeah. travel and. Oh, came, okay. ended up coming together really, really well. But let's I, let's hit pause, all of it. or let's Please make do. a pit. Let's make a pit stop and talk about that first <laughs> issue. Because okay. I mean, I I looked back because I know that I did notice, you know, as well of there was you and then Charlie Fish going uh, different issues in that first one. I think you did issues one, five, ten, and eleven. Uh, the last that I saw. No, um, I did. I did more than that. I did. You did more than that. Okay, yes. I thought that I looked up. Okay. So I'm missing one for shame. How dare um, you? How I know. dare you? Well, thanks for you, coming I'll on. I'm some, embarrassed. <laughs> I'll send you some PDFs. You'll, okay. you'll be caught up in no time. I thought that I had, a, that I had all of them. I read them all. I've read each one. Right. I, loved, I loved them. It's okay. Um, it's okay. You're not in trouble. Issue, is... issue one mm-hmm. was fantastic because I think because of the, so you said that you're a fan of year one, right? Would have yeah, never guessed yeah. <laughs> by elements in that first issue. And I mean, the the first image that they released that I'm showing you is that cover for the first one. That was mm-hmm. such a fun play of that fourth, you know, that fourth book of year one, that fourth issue. Um, mm-hmm. Although like that, said, is, that, that was also the house ad for year one. Yes. It's based on a Batman cover from the 40s. It's all sort of that. It's that awesome. really was like sort of everything I like about Batman. Yeah. And I mean, part of the element is, you know, the time travel. And what do they see? They see like the, you know, the drifter Bruce Wayne from year one. That's who they run into. And I love that. And I love the the suit that that Batman's in is, you know, a throwback to his original suit. And then like the perhaps like the best panel, which I think a lot of us got into right away was, you know, when they went into the Museum of Culture and that shot. Of uh, yeah. all those bat suits and everything. So can you just kind of guide us through or I mean, rewind? I don't know when you first wrote the script for this or and all of that. Like, how much do you plant for? So the art here says Dario Brizuela. Brizuela. Okay, Brizuela. And yes, I that was all my, you know, I picked out the old costumes that are in there. That was all in the script. Um, but Dario made it better. He did you know, everything I wanted. Um, yeah, the idea originally was as simple as a time travel story. And there are jokes within the 12 issues and Shali and I sort of collaborated on this, but that there have been many different versions of the first meeting between Batman and the Scooby-Doo gang. Mm -hmm. But I thought a time travel story would be weird and different and the chance to do Batman year one. And some of it, it's like some of it, I look back at my notes in preparation for this, and some of it was, um, there was a lot of stuff that involved very deep panel, panel planning, 
based off of year one. Like I was looking at what, because you know year one has the dates within the story. It's like this mm-hmm. takes place on April thirteenth. Or I was trying to figure out ways the story could weave in and out of it. The first image I had in mind, and this is very typical of comics, is that the first thing you come up with ends up never being in the book. So. In year one, there's the scene where Batman approaches the power elites and he has the, you know, any, he's like, you know, you have fed off the people of Gotham and you have, Mm -hmm. you know, you have feasted well, whatever that sort of overblown, yeah, pretty wonderful Frank Miller dialogue is. And then he picks up the, you know, he takes the, the dome covering the tray of food and he like extinguishes the fire or whatever. My the first image I had in mind for that was that he was going to lift that up and there wasn't going to be any food there because Shaggy and Scooby were eating it. <laughs> but but I could never make that actually work. Like once I got into the mechanics of it, there was no place to put that in. And I was like, all right, well, I'll save that for a podcast about Batman comics that I can. And there you go. And, and, oh, and that's great. So this That'd has finally fun. come full circle. You've got, you've got the exclusive. <laughs> but but the other parts of it, some of it just sort of happened on its own. Like I love the old silver age they're all silver age stories where batman would be hypnotized you know hypnosis powered time travel which doesn't make Mm -hmm. any sense at all but in the world of comics sure it does why not but then right at the end it's sort of you know spoiler for anyone listening that hasn't read the comic the thing i was most pleased with was the idea of turning that into almost the reason that the batman in the batman scooby-doo mysteries isn't the grim and gritty batman is because of this time travel story that basically mm-hmm. at the beginning of his career, when he's mm-hmm. going to be like a brooding vigilante, he meets these, these teenagers who solve crimes and their dog who solves crimes. And he decides that on some subconscious level, cause he doesn't remember the story, of course, cause it's another time travel trope that he has this idea in his head. It's like, Oh, I could have partners to help me fight crime. I don't have to be alone all the time. Oh, and a dog can fight crime too. That's cool. And then you have that great shot towards the end of the at the end of the issue, where you see him on the rooftop, and you know the idea that he can, you know, that he can have. It basically sets up the idea that he could have a Robin, he could have a Batgirl, he could have Ace the Bat Hound as his allies on it. And then from then on, as far as I was concerned, that explains why you have smiling Batman in the Batman Scooby Doo mysteries and yeah. nowhere else. I love I love being able to write scripts that say Batman smiles because I don't think anybody else gets to in comics. Yeah, Unless it's always smile like, is a demonic Joker grin. And it's a uh, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> it's a nice. It's a um, actually different Wade flavor. Yes, Mark Wade gets to do it a little in World's Finest. He, yeah, Mark's the only other. Mark and I, I I'd be happy. There you if go. There's a list with Mark and that's Mark good company, right? On it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, that's I, good company. I'm very comfortable with that, but I'm the flipped, only one who puts us on that list together. I flipped through and I saw that I'd forgotten that issue three, which is like mm-hmm. the the dog uh, a dog issue. Which, if I may say, surprising that in which so actually each wrap up like monthly episode is there's a wrap up episode with me and my pal Pete, and we go through each you know uh, of the new Batman comics released each month. I mean, covered this this book and, you know, he read some and didn't read some. He's a huge fan of a pup named Scooby-Doo. So he obviously mm-hmm. read that issue, but he is waiting and waiting for Scrappy. <laughs> I'm not exactly a big Scrappy fan, but as far as maybe what you can or can't say, do you know, is there any plans of maybe Scrappy's going to show up in this this series? Or even no comments. If... Keep reading. Okay. Um, not in any. Well, I'm going know, to. So, but there's <laughs> okay. this round. There are actually two other co-writers. Okay. Because DC wanted the, I, which I get. There's not that many opportunities to break new people in. So, um, there are two new writers coming in. I don't know what their I don't know what their issues are going to have in them yet. But okay. I would think it's possible. I'm surprised if Shali hasn't gotten them in there somewhere. Yeah, but the pup named Scooby Doo issue was especially fun. Mm-hmm. There will be some, there will be some other incarnations of some of your favorites. Okay, coming up. But for yeah. your record keeping, for the first volume of Batman Scooby, I did issues one, three, five, eight, ten, and eleven. Eight, ten. What did I miss? Oh man. Okay, thought I got him, but nope. I just barely Rachel, got a passing grade. We got, we got Rachel Ghoul in number five. Yeah, we got. 
Joker and Harley in number eight, I think. So as you as you plotted these yeah. out with scripts, then do you have like a checklist of I want this Batman character or this Scooby character? I'd almost say more like Batman characters because it stands out of like, oh, like this issue, you got Batgirl and Nightwing and then this issue. Uh, the one that, that you just mentioned, I mean, wasn't that the one that had the didn't you have some of the bosses like it wasn't Falcone in there and was Maroni mentioned in one of them? Maybe it wasn't one of your issues. That's a Sholly issue. That's Sholly, a Sholly issue. Sholly okay. But you understand what I mean of like, do you have do you make the checklist or you just write the story and then you feel like, oh, this is a good opportunity to bring in uh, certain. It's characters. usually it's usually early on um, with the original editor for the first volume. You know, Sholly and I re- each did like we were each going to get to do six issues. So I think we each prepared like eight pitches. Mm. and I think everything from mine, I was approved to do all of them except for one that was too similar to a kid's storybook that was coming out where Daphne dresses up as Batgirl, so I just saved that one for my first issue of the new run, which is an yeah. issue that's out today. Um, but by and large, the thinking about which character shows up happens at that stage. There's not gotcha. a lot of... I, things certainly change once you get down to the writing of the issues, but if you're not it, it sort of from a sales and my, back in my early days when I was on staff at DC in my early days, I did sales and marketing work. And I certainly had sort of drummed into my head there that it's like, if there's an idea that's good enough with like a surprise care with an unexpected character, mm-hmm. if it will sell one more issue, you don't want it to be a surprise. You want it to be in the cover. You want yeah. people to know, you want people to know what's coming up. You, there's mm-hmm. no, like the benefit to the reader is not bad, obviously to have like an unexpected character, but if there's like, like I did an issue in the first round that had the creeper in it and not Mm -hmm. the creeper has a million fans who have been crying out for a creeper appearance. Where's my creeper issue? (laughs) There's you, there's you and, and 10 other people, but (laughs) you don't want that to be a surprise in the issue. You want that to be on the cover because then everybody who's a creeper fan, Mm-hmm. knows you know sees it in previews or whatever sees it on dccomics.com or in comic book resources like when you've had joker and, that, and or, it issues and that first it. round right like, as I think much because it's fun covers. to have like right the the issue that has the joker and harley on the cover in the story they don't figure out if it's a joker harley story until halfway through the comic but it would be a very poor choice to not have harley quinn on the cover of a comic book that she's in. yeah i do love that but cover I, yeah it's pretty amazing and I was trying to see with with art is was it Dario for all of them or was was it just like with Dario did most of them okay. we, we put him through a lot pretty <laughs> we put him through a lot oh I see like Scott Gerald's or Gerald's Scott Gerald pup, does some of it. Yeah. for the pup named Scooby Doo one but I mean it's kind of a seamless uh, bounce back and forth like a, a really yes. good really good flow kind of like between you and Shelly too of you know it's not like oh this is this is drastically different than what came before and what came after it all had a really good tone matching a really good tone throughout all of it yeah our editors have done a good job of finding people who really get it randy elliott did one of my issues in the first series just looking very quickly not as good at keeping these records as i ought to be but i (laughs) guess but um yeah, no, there there's a strong bench of people who really get it. And it's and it's challenging because the characters are not there there is a different style between the two. And mm-hmm. which is a challenge for writing them also. As much as Batman, as you said, is very elastic and malleable, mm-hmm. it is hard to it is sometimes hard to find the right kind of story that is a Batman story and a Scooby Doo story in terms of there always needs to be an unmasking, there always needs to be yeah. It, it's a little hard. You always have to tamp down the the mystery ink skepticism, where you can't have Velma saying, "You know, there's no, there are no bat creatures that can fly." If Man Bat's going to be in an issue, like yeah, they're in a different reality of there actually are ghosts, there actually are monsters, as opposed to in Scooby Doo comics where there are never actually monsters. I mean, you did you mentioned with getting Harley on a cover, and so yeah, the issue number eight is like the world. I love that cover too of the roller coaster mm-hmm. on the roller coaster with all of them, the Joker head center and Harley behind him. I'm, I mean, it's just I just think mission accomplished for 
at least that first volume in which I, like I told you, I've read, I read today's the issue that came out today that you did. Um, and I thought that that one was a blast of, like, it's just kind of continuously filling a nice void of, it is a different flavor because mm-hmm. as we realize in each of those wrap up episodes, you know, we're talking like 15, 20 Batman comics each month. And I, I mean, I like the mature, the dark, the gritty, you know, stuff too. And then it's like, you do have this bright colored fun feels almost a little, almost like a little nostalgic childhoodish because of, I grew up watching Scooby-Doo all the time, watching Batman cartoons all the time. And now the two worlds mash. So that's like a fun, it's just a fun mix up. Uh, how many issues do you have in this, in this series? Uh, volume two, I have do? four. You have four. Okay. I so, have four. I've just written my... My second one I just finished writing a couple of weeks ago, which will be number six. Number six, okay. Which is which is a treat. And then I have two more in the back half, and I, I hope to start writing them soon because I there's no excuse for those to be late. They're just they're really challenging. Getting the tone okay. right for those is 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 more I make it harder for myself because I I feel I feel the responsibility to me at eight years old that mm-hmm. these things need to be great and <laughs> and it's hard. It's, I mean, I basically I think in my head it's the Super Friends Batman teamed up with the mm-hmm. Scooby Doo from that same era. Sure. Although it's modern and you know there are smartphones and there's some there's some other things that make the stories a little bit more contemporary. Certainly, you know the diversity of the characters. Not everyone is white. Not everyone is a dude mm-hmm. kind of stuff that makes yeah. it that hopefully feel a little bit more relevant. But but it's also they're also written for me and you. They're also meant to be. As you said, nostalgic is part of it and also nostalgic for a time when all ages comics were really meant for all ages and it wasn't just meant for children. I looked in that same box of comics I was describing to you earlier there's comics in there that I read when I was 10 years old and they're not sophisticated and adult, but they're also not childish. There's middle ground that is hard to, that doesn't happen much in comics. Now it's not really who the audience is. Yeah. This could always be, I mean, was it a Stanley quote that almost like every comic could be somebody's first comic? Um, Yeah. Sorry if that was wrong. I I feel like it was Stanley. Okay. It and, certainly gets talked about. Like, every comic is someone's first. I mean, we also used to have the joke when I was on staff. It was like, every comic could be someone's last. Yeah. So try, to, <laughs> like, try not to make that happen. And that's what they said in 1986. And then uh, look what happened there. It's a pretty, yep. pretty banner year. So, But this could be a good gateway for some kids, too, because it's just like, oh, my gosh, it's Scooby-Doo and Batman. I mean, still, Scooby-Doo is so recognizable, and they're still just pumping out, you know, uh, movies, new you know, straight to video movies and stuff like that. So he's mm-hmm. still in the public consciousness. So I really appreciate that kind of flavor um, being available. And is there anything that you can tease about your upcoming issues or even the series as a whole? I mean, non-spoiler, of course, but is there anything you can say, like maybe an appearance by somebody or? There will be, I. it's easy for me because I only know what I'm doing. So um, (laughs) the um, so there's very little chance of me spoiling anybody else's stuff, except that I know that there will be stories that take place in. um, It may not be a time travel story, but there will be stories that take place in different eras of the characters. Um, There will be some encounters that have never happened before. And. Yeah, I think that's all I can say right now. It's good stuff. There's. And it's fun seeing um, different writers getting their hands on the characters because Shali mm-hmm. and I do things a certain way and the other folks, um, who is it? I should make sure I know who's doing what. Amanda Dybert, who's terrific, is writing a couple of issues. And let me just make sure I get this guy's name right because I always get it wrong and I want to make sure I don't get it wrong. <laughs> Oh, like saying uh, Matthew, listing... Matthew, Matthew Cody is another new writer on the book. Okay. And his first issue is really cool. I believe he's in issue three. Um, we do get to read them ahead of time because there should be some perks. And, but yeah, it's all fun. I, we, get, we get to put so much stuff in there. In the issue that you've read, the one that's out today, there's mm-hmm. a background detail that is really just for me that is a lift from the Batman 
1966 TV show. There's a detail in the Batcave that has that is purely for me. Oh, you're okay. opening it up to check, aren't you? I, oh yeah, definitely. Because now I'm like, hmm. There's a label on in the old Batman TV show. There were things in the background that would be like labels on the machinery mm-hmm. that are just ridiculous. And there was one that I always wanted to put in and. I think if I had ever gotten a chance to write an issue of Batman 66, I would have actually tried to find a way to actually use the device that appears in there. But now you're looking. Mm. Well, I don't want to say that just so that it could be fun can, for other people. You can say it. It doesn't come up. It doesn't have any story content. Intergalactic recorder? The intergalactic recorder. What was that okay. for? I don't know, but it was in episode of there. Batman. <laughs> so, so. It was in there. Batman's always uh, watching. He's got his yeah, eyes out. Always. So I'm really glad that you got to come to fruition of that that little idea of Daphne end up becoming Batgirl that you did just put it in your back pocket and that you were able to utilize that in a story mm-hmm. and in this issue. And I think that's that's the big takeaway moment. And it's not in. I mean, there's. I feel like for you know a twenty twenty one page comic, uh, I think you fit a lot of story into this. In it's this twenty. I, issue. It was great. I, I I sometimes think I put too much in to be honest with you, but. Um, I think it's fun to have comics mm-hmm. be sort of content heavy so that it's not they're expensive enough that, that you should get your you should get, get your, your money worth. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But yeah, this was fun. And, you know, dancing around things like I'll, I'll just say for listeners who haven't read the issue, how dare they? Um, <laughs> yeah, that the gag of the story is that something happens that makes everybody who attends this big gathering of Gotham City police people mm. have this horrible allergic reaction um, that causes them to have this terrible rash. And the conceit of this story is that Barbara Gordon is there. So Batman decides that someone needs to be Batgirl so that nobody can figure out that Batgirl was at this police event. Um, and on that slender read, we build a story. So Daphne ends up posing as Batgirl. Now, the challenge was that there's sort of an unanswered question as to whether or not the mystery ink gang knows Batgirl's secret identity. Mm-hmm. So we sort of dance around that a little bit because it basically mystery ink, not knowing that Bruce Wayne is Batman is a really challenging thing to keep on, keep going in these stories. And, and much like in one of the issues, I think I, I put out the idea that um, Batman probably doesn't need the mystery ink kids to help him solve crimes. And they know that, but Batman kind of, Batman knows as much as he needs to know about anything. So mm-hmm. similarly, I I gotta think that um, Velma can figure out that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Velma yeah. is maybe this. Velma is the world's second greatest detective, probably. Oh yeah. So, but I think she knows that it wouldn't be as much fun to team up with Batman if he had to worry about them knowing his secret. So she pretends she doesn't know. Just going down hypothetical. Do you think that's if she some if she had that revelation? Maybe she already has. She knows this. Is this something that she flat out says to the rest of the team? Or do you think she keeps that under wraps until maybe she the keeps time it under wraps? Right? I, I think too. she keeps it under wraps. But yeah, I mean, part of part of the fun of this series is always the idea that I think has just sort of grown up organically that Batman Batman's crazy about Velma. Batman's just like, oh, if I had a daughter, she'd be Velma. Because yeah. Velma is so, Velma so, is so cool and such a good leader. Why she hangs around these, you know, the stoner kid and Shaggy. his friends and that weird dog. <laughs> <And> dog. <laughs> yeah. But that's I mean, they're all very brave, but I don't know, yeah. you know, Excellent. children make choices. Well, there you go. I mean, before we move on, like, yes, if you haven't uh, given a shot on the first series of Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, if you're a fan of the characters, definitely track it down and read it. Um, it's it's a pure joy, and then yeah, so so far it's been enjoyable. This series too, especially this this second issue. Um, not only are we timely talking now because that issue, your issue, just came out, but it's also you know we're ramping up to holidays, mm-hmm. and in this section of Bat Nerddom, I mean Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. People mm-hmm. watch it. Batman Returns around Christmas. So you had a book that just came out. Actually, I think this past uh, September. Maybe yes. from Insight, and like some people actually got it in August, but uh, Batman Returns I One didn't. Dark Christmas Eve. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, what? Uh, but Batman Returns One Dark Christmas Eve in the style of like you'd mentioned the the Die Hard book, where it looks like it's a kids book, but also there's elements too that that it doesn't kiddie things up. 
So can you kind of tell now? I know I keep asking like rewind, rewind back to when this when this began and how you got involved with this book. Um, sure, I can do I can do all of that. You can do it all. I can do it all. Um, I was approached to work on that. Um, I had done a bunch of of sort of oddball stuff for as a freelancer for DC. I've done I've done all sorts of weird and interesting projects, including the graphic novel adaptation of the Space Jam movie sequel that came out a year or two back, um, where, and as a result of that, the folks who run Warner Brothers sort of global publishing decided that I could do anything because that was hard. Um, Not that it wasn't a great project based on a great movie with everything great about it. Did that sound convincing at all? Um, But no, condensing a movie to, down into a coherent yes, that, comic book. Yeah, that was that was considered, you know, quite the challenge. Yeah. And when Insight, who had done the Die Hard Christmas book project a couple of years back with this wonderful artist named JJ Harrison, um they wanted to they wanted to do another one. And it was really hard to find something in that sweet spot of a holiday movie that's not exactly a holiday movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not about Christmas. It's not Santa Claus. It's not Santa based, but it's still a Christmas movie. And it's not religion based, and it's still a Christmas movie. So they came up with Batman Returns. This publisher, Inside Editions, got the got the license, and the editor is an, a former colleague of mine named Scott Nybach, and and he recommended me. And the Warner Brothers people were happy to have me involved because they knew that I was able to sort of balance the creative needs. You got a good relationship sort of with stuff with them. The, yes, yeah. <laughs> good relationships all, thankfully. So we got to work on this. And the I mean, I think the art is the art elevates the whole thing. The challenge was to kind of kind of find a way to express what is a very complicated and weird story that mm-hmm. I think in some ways it's more a Christmas movie than it is a Batman movie because watching it again, Batman's barely in it. Like Batman, Batman's importance is throughout, but Batman in terms of screen time is not in it that much. But so trying to find a way to do the story so that it's true to the story and it has all the Batman stuff in it to make it feel like a Batman book was complicated. And then doing the text to the tune of um, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen Mm -hmm. was incredibly hard. And, you know, is that your idea? um, I was involved in deciding which public domain tune it would be. Okay. That was pretty much the, that was my contribution was so weighing it, in on those, but it, it was in the spirit of a, to the tune of a song. And then you just helped pick the song. Yes. That was already like, like, gotcha. through, Okay. Interesting. You know, a lot of them. And um, there's a review on Amazon that says it doesn't, you can't sing it to that tune. And I would, I would like to challenge that person to a sing off. <laughs> Because believe me, it works. Sometimes you have to stretch it a little, but that's how that's how songs work. Amazon review 017619. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoever you are. For some reason I've decided not to engage with people on the internet, but that one that one bummed me out. Um the thing that was weird about that was you know, writing that during COVID times, like I'm sorry I missed out on the chance. In the old days, if this were a project from like three or four years ago. I would have been sitting at a laptop in a Starbucks and people would have been looking at me wondering why I was humming the tune to God rest you, Mary, Mary gentlemen in like <laughs> April over and over again. <laughs> Man, this guy misses Christmas. Let it go. It'll be around. Let's, again. <laughs> let's give this guy some room. There'd be yeah. a lot of people just sort of sliding their, sliding their mochas away from me a little bit. But instead I was here at home and my you know wife and child could look at me and wonder why I was humming that song over and over again. Yeah. But, Daddy's so wait, that season in April 2020. So that's when this that's when Maybe. this was beginning, see. roughly. Let me see. Hang on. I can that I can tell you. Because that I've wondered, you know, I'm always in how long it how long it and, takes to create these things. Yeah, um, create a book like this, write a script from script from like first idea in the pitch to completion where you're seeing mm-hmm. the art and stuff. I'm always wondering how long the that usually first, takes. Let's see. I signed the contract for it in September 2021. Um, okay. And I was I was writing it by mid-October that year. Like by early okay. October, I was doing the outline. But 
like I said, the artist did so much of the work to get so many bits of the story in and just great little like marginal cartoons that almost remind me of like Sergio Aragonas in Mad Magazine. Yeah. But there's stuff with a car chase that he just like put into the margins and I'm just like, oh, this is perfect. So, I mean, I don't need like a, I'm not asking you like, give me a full length review, but I guess in relation to the book, like what's your, what's your opinion of the movie? I feel like you'd um, have to be somewhat of a fan to agree oh, to do sure. a book and, adaptation. Oh, sure. And I totally, I totally am. I like the Michael Keaton version of Batman and especially Bruce Wayne a lot. He's probably my okay. favorite version of the character. Sure. When I get to write, when I get to write stories with grown-up Batman, which I have done a couple of times, mainly for like custom projects, um, the Michael Keaton voice is usually the one in my head for his slightly detached, but still mm-hmm. sort of fun Bruce Wayne, especially. Um, but like I said, I think it's, I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a very cool looking movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of Batman in it. I think yeah. it's a great Catwoman movie. It's not, you know, and the villain plot is a little weird and sort of, you know, if you can explain to me Penguin's motivations exactly, it's revenge at Gotham city. So he's going to become mayor and yeah. Find As one does records, you know. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I live in, you know, I live in a big city where there are sometimes people who've been elected mayor who I think maybe didn't actually like the city very much, but it's never quite been, uh, it's never quite been penguin level. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> but, but... <laughs> so when you're, I guess when, so now that the project's like at hand, um, where do you like? I guess, where do you start? Do you just like with the Scooby-Doo and Batman stuff too? Do you end up creating a list of like, oh, I've got to have this moment, this moment, you know, a a nod to this moment? Yeah. I mean, I think the first step was in doing an outline was thinking about like, I knew how many pages it would be. So there was a certain amount of what's the big visual. Mm -hmm. If you know, you've got 30 pages, what are the 30 biggest, most iconic things? So I knew that, Selena becoming Catwoman has to be in there because that sequence is incredibly memorable. Yeah. Her being revived by cats is memorable. Her, the, you know, the Batmobile out of control is definitely a thing. Like perfectly illustrated. Like sort of start without even, oh, it's so good. Penguin in that little Batmobile. I wanted one so bad as a kid and now as an adult, I still want one. I think it's perfectly illustrated as well. It really is. <laughs> but but yeah, I think the first step was really just without even looking at the movie was just thinking, what do I remember about the movie this many years later? Because that's what the presumption is. That's what a reader is going to expect. Mm-hmm. If they read this book and this stuff isn't in it, no matter how good the book is, otherwise they're going to feel like they didn't get what was promised. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of think, well, what are the Christmassy elements of it? Because if we're saying it's a Christmas story, let's make sure bad guys burst out of a giant gift wrap box that better be in here because yeah. that, there's not that much stuff that is overtly Christmas about it. But um, I was happy that I was able to suggest as the book was developing that I remember vividly the part where at the very end of the movie, after you've been left to feel that Catwoman is dead, though her body has disappeared, that at the end you see her on top of the roof with the bat signal shining in the air so I was able to go to the editor and say, it's not in the story because there were really no room. We were really struggling with getting everything in there. Yeah. But could that be on the end paper? Because mm-hmm. that would actually sort of be the equivalent of the credits rolling would be and part I, the editor I love... was into it and they were able to make the design work. It's it's a treat. I, I think it's it's for a very specific type of fan, but I think that type of fan will absolutely get the yeah. total experience they're looking for like i think this delivers the little touches like that too also always stand out because it is like as it's ending merry christmas to all to all a good night and you're kind of like oh yeah i see that in the movie and then you turn and it's like well of course that's where the Catwoman nod would be on the inside of the book you see the the cop cars on the you know the uh, on the like the back side of the cover and then i'm like wait hold on as i'm reading through the story I'm like maybe the end and so i just jump to the end and it's the you know, and it is just like from in the movie. I mean, it's just those little touches that are also make something like this, like really stand out and being a lot of fun. And for us Uber fans that like catch the little nods and, and all of that stuff. And I do think it it captures, it's a fun spirit of the, 
movie. Uh, I guess what was your scripting? Since this is, you know, this is different than a comic book, but your scripting to uh, the artist, J.J. Harrison, that much drastically different from a normal like comic book script when you're writing a comic script? It's a little different because you sort of have to pick your because of the narrate because the narration is narration. It's not dialogue coming out of anybody's mouth. Anytime mm-hmm. there's characters saying things on the page, that was JJ's idea. And boy, was I happy he did it because he got some lines in that I could not mm-hmm. I could not find a way to wrench that whole mistletoe bit into the meter yeah. of the damn song. Um <laughs> there's just no way to do it. And and things like that car chase bit that you point out with with the Batmobile stopping before it hits the lady crossing the street you know you couldn't if you if I asked you before this book came out summarize what happens in the movie as succinctly as possible I don't think the Batmobile stopping before it hits the lady would be part of that summary right Mm, like it would be it would be about the penguin it would be about Max Shrek it would be Catwoman Catwoman and Batman's trying to stop them all yeah, that's like the summary. But, <laughs> but but as a fan, you want to see all those other bits yeah. worked in there as well. So JJ really found a way to sort of work all the all that other flavor in around the edges. And the duck, I think. Oh, the duck's got to be there, right? Oh, the duck and the penguins with <laughs> with rocket launchers. Because yes. why wouldn't they have those? I do. <laughs> okay, well, well, let's go to since we're on the art art talk. Um, the designed looks, especially Max Shrek, um, very representative of like the goblin kind of creature that he is at heart. But uh, in the process, how, when did you start to see JJ's art for this? Would he send you like, Hey, here's a page. Here's a page. No, that was a, it was a little less. That's more typical of comics. Okay. of, Of the comic book process in part, because in the comics process, you end up changing, or not everybody does this, but, but I think most of us, when we get the opportunity, if the art is doing its job well, we can mm-hmm. cut away some of the dialogue. Like the dialogue, the, the dialogue often spells things out in a way that's very specific to make sure that if the artist misses something, the reader will still have some clues as to intent and mood and all that. Mm-hmm. But if it's really working, if things are really firing on all cylinders, I can cut away almost all of the dialogue that explains those things because the art will show it and you would mm-hmm. rather have the visual element pay off. In in this book, the the text was approved kind of before the art even started. So the text wasn't going was not likely to change in any material way. So I didn't need to see the art as it went forward. But I saw sketches for it pretty early. And I mean, JJ laid out the whole thing, maybe without I don't think he had all the little side bits worked out yet, but mm-hmm. the things that were directly adapting the story from what I had put in the script, I saw pretty early on and I was so excited. I was yeah. just like, oh, this elevates the whole thing. It turned out looking really, really well. I didn't know also how um, close, how closely, you know, you work, you worked with him uh, in this, or if it's, if it is more of like a, I've, here's the scripts have at it I'll and then then he gets back to you eventually down the road I, I, or if there is yeah, a lot of back and forth and stuff. The there wasn't a ton of back and forth sure. okay. um because you know he's a pro he doesn't need to hear from me I think there were <laughs> I think maybe there was there were one or two places here I'm looking I do keep my records a little I saw layouts um by the end of December of the year oh, where cool. I wrote it in October and then the editor had some notes, like there might have been a drawing of Catwoman where we couldn't see her whip. And he was like, let's put the whip in here. And I think there were one or two places where I pointed out that, you know, something was missing that sort of needed to be there to set something up. But, and I used to be, a, I have been a comic book editor in the past, so I had some editorial notes of, sure, you know, standard, standard level meddling that, you know, mm-hmm. you're expected to do as an editor. But JJ is such a pro, there was not much to tell him. Yeah, and we've talked a little bit since the project, and he was so uh-huh. happy. This is a favorite movie of his, and I think it totally shows. But yeah, fun touches all around. Uh, I hope you and him both are really happy 
with how it turned out. There's one element I don't I don't want to say specifically in case somebody hasn't read it yet, but there is a little bit of a change than from the movie in uh, dealing with the penguins with their their rockets and Batman impeding on them. So changing from yes. the movie how yes. can, can you say roughly how that if i'm remembering out? correctly it, that's more about um who the audience for this book is as opposed to who the movie was for okay. i think there was a softening of some things involving death and violence and a little bit of simplifying of the story because as you can see i my goal was that for people who knew the movie, you wouldn't feel like it was being contradicted necessarily, even if we didn't no. spell things out. So we do not mention the penguin looking through the registry of births and kidnapping all the like, and the plan to like kidnap all the children. That's not mm -hmm. really in here. And that's mostly a function of room. Like there's just yeah. not, you know, if you can go through this book and tell me what we should have cut out to make room for that, that part of the story to fit, I would be, you know, I wouldn't welcome it, but I'd be surprised if you can. I bet that reviewer that really on go. Amazon had a thought. Oh, that guy. <laughs> well, no, he I, liked the book fine. I'm not angry. I'm a, I, I'm I liked, I mean, I liked the inclusion. I'm not going to say it, but I'm showing you, I liked that because it did feel a little bit like a fun carryover mm. of an element from Batman 89. Uh, but and but it, yeah, like you said too, it doesn't contradict. It doesn't contradict the movie. Batman right. still goes to try and stop the penguins. Stop penguin. That happens, etc. But I was just really, uh, yeah, because I think my Pete, who I've already mentioned, he he got to read it before I did. I think he was one that got it early too. Uh, and he said like, "Hey, there's you know there is a change at the end," and I'm like, "Ooh, can't wait to see." And then, yeah, I think that, like, that was it. And I'm like, well, that's that's cool. That's fun. Um, you know, it's not huge, like a huge difference. It's still, but I just kind of thought like, oh, man. And then when you and I were talking, I'm like, that's got something I want to ask him because yeah. it always intrigues Sorry. me just a little bit. Not some big dramatic story or anything. Just like, oh, cool. The idea of changing a little bit. You know, how does how's that process? So mm -hmm. I'm glad you appreciate it. It's, yeah. The, the, the book, there's a solitary part of all this where it, like you don't you know you do the work and you know your editor likes it and you know you like it and in theory that should be enough but really you want fan mail you want yeah, people I was gonna to say I'm you want me to hear to from the people like <laughs> it's the hardest thing the, the thing that's a drag about as much as I love doing all ages stuff in kids books which is most of what I do mm -hmm. for in comics it, it is tough because that is the stuff that gets reviewed sort of the least of any of the major publisher things so you don't Kids get aren't writing that. reviews on Amazon and stuff no, like and that. Nor so. should they be. Keep them yeah. away from this. Keep them away. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, when I did, anyway. um, I will quickly segue just to plug my recently finished sure. co-written DC miniseries, Multiversity Teen Justice, which was a mm -hmm. comic for grownups featuring these characters I introduced a couple of years ago at DC. This like parallel Earth Teen Titans type team, which includes a Robin. So there's Batman stuff in it, I swear. There you um, go. See, totally relevant. It but is. like that got more, <laughs> but every time an issue came out, that got a ton of reviews. And that was exciting, not just because they were mostly very positive, but also because it was feedback. It was somebody mm -hmm. that I didn't know personally saying what they liked or didn't like and noticing things that I hoped someone would notice or not noticing it and getting me angry. All of that. <laughs> and all of that was very exciting. So with, um, so Batman Returns, One Dark Christmas Eve, out now. Mm -hmm. Wherever you want to buy books, you should be able what to track it down and get it. Oh. it. I mean, if you're a fan, just just pick it up because it is it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's cool. I mean, the art is great, and of course, it's fun to do it in the 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 you know in the melody, thinking of the tune while you're while you're reading it. I think uh, that's a lot of a, fun, a lot of fun. If there's with Batman, something like this for another Batman like movie, is there one that? If they came to you and said, we want another, what would you oh, want to do? Wow. That's your big gotcha question. Oh, who doesn't want to see, um, who doesn't want to see the dark Knight done to some sort of poetic meter? Really? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, why not do it with a great movie? You know, yeah. Like, 
you know, I mean, sure, you could do the Schwarzenegger one. That would be fine, too. That but, I mean, I think you could have a lot of fun with that. And you could have fun uh, with a Jim Carrey Riddler-ish thing. For I don't think the, there's a wrong answer here. No, there really isn't. I mean, the most recent one would be hard to adapt in a lighthearted style. I think that would be a little brutal. But okay. I'd find yeah. a way. I could do it. The um, Sorry, the Schwarzenegger one, just to go down memory lane for a second... When I started at DC on staff many years ago, I did, um, I wrote DC's marketing copy and I went to conventions representing the company and all that. The first round of projects I worked on was, were the tie-ins to um, the Schwarzenegger Batman movie, as I'll continue to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and we got, and I, I was very green and I had worked at other jobs. This was not my first job, but it was early on and i was told well you have to write the marketing copy for these one shots one thing um arnold schwarzenegger's name has to be the first one that comes like comes up in the copy mm. i was like but it, but it's batman it's batman. yeah it's like don't yeah don't mention him first but it's arnold schwarzenegger the <laughs> so the gymnast the like contortions i had to do you know mr freeze arnold schwarzenegger comes to gotham and three other one shots in the exciting things based on the newest Batman movie, you know? Wow. But, uh, you, you felt almost like oh, Batman. I'm sorry, it, but it's, it's my job. It's nothing against you. It's my job. I got to mention it's, it's Arnold, but people, I mean, I feel like people would understand. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Arnold. Exactly. It was Arnold in the nineties. I couldn't get any bigger. Uh, Ivan, I actually, uh, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and talk about, Talk about this stuff. I I love getting to hear fun behind the scenes process scripting, uh, the fun aspect of it. I mean, with with some kid stuff, you know, you, you may not be able to hear a ton of like feedback, but the feedback that I'm getting is like the stuff we talked about today that people are really really enjoying it. So uh, take that for what what you can of some feedback oh, I, from I, adults I... on that stuff. It's like we're having fun with it. We we enjoy it. I I appreciate that. Um. It is all very gratifying. I have a I have a nine year old who um, resolutely has no interest in whatever daddy does. So, sure, you know, you think, oh, your kid must love this stuff. He does not. No. <laughs> <laughs> he he likes graphic care. novels. Fine. He's told me he's like, I just don't get comics. And I'm like, you could try for dad. <laughs> yeah, come on for me, please, for me, please for me. But it's it's great. It is it is a total joy to be able to do this kind of stuff. That's great. Awesome. Um, yeah, if you'd like to just plug away anything, anything you want, uh, where people can follow your work, what's coming up aside from what uh, the Scooby-Doo stuff, uh, Scooby-Doo Batman, any other works, just have at it. Oh, that's very kind. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Ivan M. Cohen. Um, I am also on Hive now, which is, has the same login in case Twitter goes under, as some people suggest it's going to. Um, mm -hmm. But I still, I, I, I am not, I am not suffering the privations some are from being on Twitter, and it's where I find the most sort of random interactions with people who are interested in what I'm doing. Like, like I here, appreciate. ours happened like because here. of Twitter. Exactly. So there we go. Exactly. So <laughs> there is a good side to the internet. <laughs> there, <laughs> sure, there absolutely is. Um, Batman, Scooby Doo, the new issue number two out today. Uh, number six, four months from now, will also be good and have me in it. <laughs> um that's I a good highly sell. recommend grown up <laughs> seek out multiversity teen justice which just wrapped up i think the trade's coming out in march but don't wait for the trade buy the individual issues that's cool issues they're really cool and if you like if you like the damian wayne robin which i actually don't and yet the version of him <laughs> in this book which is you know is uh, talia kane is actually i i i have le i have learned to love the character by writing his Earth Eleven counterpart. She is. She is. I one of my just favorites. love the cell that you made on that though. And if you like Damian Wayne, which I don't, uh, <laughs> check it out. You know, no, it, it's very much. If people like Super Sons, which I think most most comics fans did, mm -hmm. we have a lot of the vibe of that in the interactions between the Earth Eleven Robin and the Earth Eleven Supergirl, who are you know, who are mm -hmm. totally fun, and that. That book was terrific, terrifically fun. I have some custom stuff coming up. If you see anything, I can't really talk about it yet, but if you see any DC Comics projects related to, say, Hershey candy bars, there's a good chance they're by me. Mm -hmm. I've also written Snickers comics in the past, but that's a whole other that's a whole other story. 
You were behind uh, those? I, I, I was. Wow. Not the very first okay. round of them, but all the, the ones that were all Batman focused later on. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, I, I have written comics on things that should not have comics on them. I think comics should be on everything. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. All right. Well, yeah. I wrote comics that appeared on the side of like ice cream, like cartons. Mm-hmm. And those were great because I can't, you know, apparently you can't keep those, those around the house forever. Yeah, yeah it's really hard to, it's, it, you know, it, there's, there's cleanliness issues. I, <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Not recommended. Yeah, no, absolutely. But this was, yeah. a, this was a pleasure. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Um, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. We didn't even want to come back. We didn't on. even get, oh, uh, well, yeah, I can tell you, you know, secret other stories that we never got to. Yeah. I would, I would enjoy that. Or if you just want to be like a, you know, an average Joe and you just want to talk about a Batman comic that you read as, and you're a fan of, I mean, that's, that's the basis of what this show's about. So I we mean, can, no pressure. I, no, no, I don't None feel at all. pressure at all, but <laughs> I, I'd be happy to come back another time for sure. Thank you, Ryan. All right. Yeah. Really this, was, this was great. Yes. And uh, for anybody else listening, if you're not following the Batman book club yet, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC. Uh, you can write into the show if you want the Batman BC at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where I've got some fun stuff with uh, friends going on and over there, just the Batman book club on YouTube. And if you want to support the show, there's a variety of ways you can do that. Patreon.com slash the Batman BC just type TBBC in the search bar. And then lastly, if you don't want to spend any money at all, it's 100% a okay. The easiest uh, quickest and most impactful way that you can help the show is to rate and review it wherever you listen to it. So uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio, I've missed a ton of others. Just rate and review the show because the more reviews the show gets, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, as Razo Ghoul said, the word is panic. So for Ivan Cohen, I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time, read my Batman comics. Batman!